that are persecuted as though we're bound with them or chained with them. That's what the Bible says. Boy, we are spoiled Americans, aren't we? Listening to some of those things makes me feel kind of small. You know, when people are going through, we don't go through anything near like what a lot of folk go through. So, be that as it may, we need to remember them as though we're chained with them and pray for them. Right? Amen. Praise God. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that as the word goes forth here, it'll be a blessing and the people will hear what it is the Spirit saying to them, the Holy Spirit saying to them through the word. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Let's open our Bibles this morning. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hands real high. Our ushers will get you one, loan you one of ours if you don't have one. First uh, Corinthians, ninth chapter. 24th verse. I'm going to read this out of the New International Version. It'll be on the screen. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 in the NIV. Says, Paul writes here, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I want to talk today about the Christian Olympics, the Christian Olympics. And have any of you been watching the Olympics on television? And I've been watching some of it. I've been enjoying it. Uh, the Apostle Paul is comparing the Christian life here in these verses we read to competing in the Olympic Games. He, he made the statement here. He said only one gets the prize. And of course, now at the Olympics, there's three medals, the gold, silver and bronze. But back then, only one prize was given. And it was a crown shaped wreath, a crown shaped wreath. And of course, those wreaths would decay over time. Uh, in just a moment, I'll tell you about the prizes or the crowns that Paul was talking about that Christians can receive for their service to the Lord, which are eternal. But before we get to that, he said in here, he said, run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. You ever notice on the Olympics, some of them, you know, either swim or, or, or do the gymnastics or whatever it is. And they do it in such a way that they win and they get a prize. And others do it in such a way that, that they don't. There's deductions. You know, and, and really our Christian life is the same way as we live it for the Lord. There's things we can do that will cause us to uh, be rewarded. And then there's things that we can do that will cause deductions, you know, where the Lord will deduct. I don't want him to deduct from me. How about you? Uh, so there's a way to run this race in which we, we uh, walk for the Lord. Remember, it's not a sprint that we're in. It's a marathon for the Lord. Remember? Don't forget that. It's a marathon. But there's a way that we can run this marathon, this Christian life, in such a way that at the end of it we'll get the prize. Now, you, you must understand that our salvation, 
There's nothing we can do to work for it. You understand that. It's by grace through faith in Jesus. You understand that. And he's the foundation. But the Bible is clear that once a sinner gets saved and becomes a Christian, then there's things we can do that will cause the Lord to reward us one day. And there's things that we can do that will cause deductions. But I want to run in such a way so as to get a full reward. Okay? And so Paul... And today what I want to look at is some of the things that he did in his life so that he would get a full reward. Now, in verse 26 here, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 26, he talks about the importance of having a goal. The importance of having a goal. He said, I do not run aimlessly, or I'm not like a boxer beating the air. He had a goal. You know, I've learned this in life that if you're going nowhere, you're bound to get there. You understand that? So we must all have a goal. Now I want to ask you this morning, what is your goal? Do you know where you're going? Do you have a short-term goal? Do you have a mid-range goal? Do you have a long-term goal? You must have a goal. What is it that the Lord has told you to do? What is your goal? If if your answer is, well, I don't know, I just don't know, well, guess what? You're not on the racetrack God has for you. Is that right? If when I ask you, what is your goal, where are you headed, and you, I I don't know. Well, if that is your answer, then you need to get busy and do some work and pray and seek the Lord and find out what it is He wants you to do. Because you see, if if your answer to... What are you, what's your goal? If your answer is, well, I just, you know, don't, well, then you're sitting on the sidelines, okay? And so, 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 seek the Lord. Have a goal. Get up. Get, get the goal that He has for you. Don't get your own goal. Get the goal He has for you. He has plans for your life. But you've got to seek Him to find out what those plans are, and, and, and then there'll be goals. And when you walk with God, there are short-term goals, mid-range goals, long-term goals. Find out what they are and then, and then run in such a way to, to get the prize, to achieve the goal. You know, I know as a golfer years ago, a lot of times I would go out and I would just hit golf balls. I'd go out into a field and I'd just hit golf balls. Just hit them. And then when I'd go on the golf course, I'd hit the balls and they'd go all over the place. And the pro asked me one time when I was practicing, he drove up on the cart and he said, what are you aiming at? And I said, well, I'm just trying to just hit it off in that field there. He said, you know, he, you dummy. He, he didn't say that, but that's really what he said. He said, you have to have a target when you're practicing. You have to have a target that you're shooting your golf ball at. There's a proper alignment and all that. And if you don't have a target, your alignment, you're not, your alignment's going to be bad. You're going to groove a horrible swing. And that's really the thing that kept me from being a professional golfer. Was that when I learned the game, I, uh, I, I didn't have a teacher. And I, I, when I'd go out to hit golf balls, I'd just hit them off in the field. And so I grooved a horrible, not a horrible swing, but I grooved a swing that's, that, that won't hold up under pressure. You see, but if I would have had a teacher and somebody would have taught me from the beginning how to line up and the grip and all of that, and I would have learned and always had a goal, always had a target, then I would have been able to build a swing that would have held up under pressure. Uh, you know, life has a lot of pressures in it, doesn't it? 
And we need to, need to be sure that we're walking with the Lord, that we can hold up not only under the good times, but when pressure's on. So it would have done me good to have a goal in the game of golf and just to have had a target to shoot at. So, so let's all be sure that in this race that we run, be sure that we know what it is that the Lord has us doing. Do, do y'all, do, do y'all know what God's called you to do? Do y'all, do y'all understand? If not, I can't tell you what it is. You have to get alone with the Lord and find it out for yourself. Alright, so have a goal. Now then the next thing, verse 25, Paul talks about going into strict training. He talks about beating his body. He's not talking about inflicting, you know, cutting himself or abusing himself. He's not talking about that. He's talking about disciplining his body, keeping his body under control. Now, if you've watched any of the Olympics at all, and if you've heard any of the interviews that the athletes give, you would have to agree with me that all of them go through some strict training, don't they? Is that correct? They go through some really, 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 really strict training. And it's not just for a day or a couple of days, but it's for about four years, isn't it? And they do all that, that training and all that work that they do. And they, a lot of them, some of them do it just to perform in one event or just, just a couple of events. But they, they have to keep their bodies under control. And we as Christians, as we live this Christian life, we need to keep our bodies under control as well. That's what Paul said. He said, hey, I run in such a way so as I'm going to win the prize here. And so he kept his body under control. Now, let me give you a little hint from Scripture. What, somebody said, well, what, what, you know, Pastor, I'm having trouble keeping my body under control. What do I do? Go to, hold your place here in 1 Corinthians 9. Real quickly, go to James 3, chapter 3, verse 2. James chapter 3, verse 2. NIV again. The NIV Bible, it'll be on the screen. James 3, 2, how do, you, how, how do I control my, my body? How, how, how do I do it? Notice this, James chapter 3, verse 2, it says, We stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he, in, in what he says, he's a perfect man. That means he's a mature man, a mature person. Able to what? Keep his whole body in check. It's interesting, you know, have you ever been like me where your body wanted to do something, your flesh wanted to do something, you have to almost take yourself by the ear and pull yourself away from it? And no more than you let go of your ear, what happens? Your flesh wants to go right back over to that thing that it's not supposed to do, and then you have to take, has anybody ever done that besides me? And sometimes my wife will put like a hook in my jaw and pull me, you know, especially when it comes to eating cookies or whatnot. But, uh, you know, really one of the places to start is with your mouth and what you say. You've got to get your mouth under control. You've got to start talking the Word of God and, and, and speaking the Word of God, you see. You'll never ultimately be able to get your body in check if you don't get your mouth in check first. You'll never be able to get your body in check as long as you're gossiping. See, we, right away we think about cussing and all that, but you know gossiping, I, I'm convinced. I think God would rather hear a Christian cuss than gossip. I'll say that again. I, I'm convinced. I've been walking with the Lord a long time. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced He would rather hear a Christian cuss a blue streak 
than gossip or backbite, talk bad about a fellow brother and sister. Now, I'll say that again. I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. Time I've spent with him. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I know him. He'd rather hear a Christian cuss a blue streak than hear him backbite and talk bad and spread rumor. Did you hear me? Well, that's going over like a lead balloon. But it's the honest to God truth. That's how much God hates backbiting and psh, 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 psh. you know what I mean when I go, psh, psh. he hates it. He 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 it disgusts him. You can't walk close with God and be a talebearer. Did you hear me? I said, did you hear me? So if you want to get your body under control, where do you start? You start with your with your mouth and your tongue. Also, it's interesting in verse 25. Notice verse 25 back in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25. The word in the King James, I wonder if we can put that uh, in the King James up there, verse 25. Uh, let's see, he says, and every man that strives for the mastery is temperate, temperate. Actually, that word temperate, we're talking about running in such a way we can win the prize here in this Christian race. That word temperate, if you looked at that in the original Greek language, it means this, to exercise restraint in diet and sexual content, uh, conduct. To exercise restraint in diet and sexual conduct. So if, running this Christian race in which we run, that, that's interesting to me. Because I, I've watched this over the years and I, I've dealt with this myself. Particularly in the area of diet. There's two main areas, I think, that'll cause us to get off, off the course God has us on. And one of them is diet and what we eat. I've had a dickens of a time with this. But I'm gaining the victory over it. Amen. Amen. And then sexual conduct. We see this again and again and again where people... Uh, sexual things pull them off the course that God has for them. So I just want to make you aware of it. To run the race that God has you to run, examine your diet. You know, a lot of people don't finish their race for God. They die young. And you know why they die young? It's because they don't eat right. Now, the Lord said to me some time back, and that's the main reason that I've adjusted my diet and uh, lost. I lost about 40 pounds. The Lord said to me in prayer that if I didn't do something, that when I got into my 50s, I was going to have some serious health problems. Well, we need to listen. Amen? We need to listen. See, and I wouldn't finish my race. I wouldn't finish my race. You don't want to die young, do you? Well, we need to eat right. Exercise. And then we see this sexual thing pull people off again and again. You know, that can sidetrack a person, you know. And uh, so you need to be watchful in those areas. Uh, And then in verse 25, uh, or actually verse 27, verse 27, he talks about disqualifying himself. 
Have you seen any of the Olympic athletes been disqualified in something? I mean, I've seen a couple of them. You know, how many of you know NBC just shows you what they want you to see? When I was a kid, I was amazed at something that was on television. And I, I said to this fellow that he was a math teacher at Eureka High School. And, and, and it had to do with golf. And I said to him, I said, man, when you watch those golfers on television, man, they just never miss a shot. They just always hit the ball just great. I'll never forget what he said. He looked at me and he said, son, he said, don't ever forget this. On television, they just show you what they want you to see. You need to realize that about television. You understand that? How I many of you know NBC will just show you what, what they want you to see? Is that right? Like that, 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 that the uh, American, the ladies, uh, uh, gold. I'm, I'm just so proud of those ladies getting that gold. And, and Gabby Douglas, you know. And it's my understanding, she's a Christian. She's giving glory to Jesus. But guess what NBC is doing? They're cutting that out. Isn't that sad? So, so be watchful of television. But uh, there's things that... We can do in this Christian life to disqualify ourselves. And, uh, and, you, and Paul said this. He said, lest when I've preached to others that I... He said, I keep my body under control. Lest when I preach to others that I might wind up being disqualified. Just think, for example, have you ever heard of a minister who messed up sexually? Have you ever heard of such a thing? Yeah, and then... It, it, it disqualifies them from being effective in the pulpit, doesn't it? I mean, even though God forg- if they repent, God forgives them, we can forgive them, all of that. But it just, it just, there's something about it when they stand back up in the pulpit. It, there's a disqualification there. It's just not the same anymore. So we need to be watchful in these things. In the area of integrity. You know, as we run this Christian race in which we run, we need to realize there's, there's a grandstand of sinners watching us run. Right? Did you ever think about that? There's a grandstand of sinners watching us run, and, and we want to run in such a way that, 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 that they see us as a good representative of Jesus Christ. And that we don't run in such a way that, that we do things that will disqualify ourselves. And, and, and uh, you, know that it, it, you know, if a sinner sees that we don't have integrity, it's going to disqualify our testimony to them, isn't it? Is that, is that right? So let's be careful and watchful. We don't do anything to disqualify ourselves. Now turn to Philippians chapter 3 if you would. And let's see what else Paul did to run in such a way as to successfully finish his Christian race. Um, Philippians 3. I'm going to read this in the NIV again. Uh, flip, it'll be on the screen. Philippians 3.13. He says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now here we have two verses full of things that we need to take note of, that we need to do to run this Christian race successfully. First of all is we see humility. He says, I've not arrived yet. I haven't arrived Yet, in other words, he, he said, I, I, I'm still not I'm still not the way I need to be, but I'm I'm headed that way. Do you see humility there? Well, you see, we need to be humble. Uh, the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due season. So we see humility 
And then he talks about forgetting what is behind, forgetting what is behind. You see, we're going to have to forget the past, aren't we? Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't learn from the past. How many of you know we should learn from the past? We should learn from our successes. We should learn from our failures. Is that right? How many of you know if you tried to drive home today looking in the rearview mirror, you'd have a hard time getting home successfully? Is that right? If all you if all you did was look in the rearview mirror. How many of you know that driving home, occasionally you're going to look up in that rearview mirror? And you should, right? But you, But if you look at it all the time, you're going to crash into something, aren't you? And same way in this Christian life, as we as we run for the Lord, we you know we we ought to, we occasionally we ought to remember from whence we came. We ought to remember our successes. We ought to remember our failures and learn from them. But we should only occasionally glance up in that rearview mirror, just like driving a car. For the most part, we want to be focused. What did he say here? He said, "I press on toward the goal." Right? We want to be focused on our future. We want to be focused on the what? On the goal. We need to have a goal. Boy, this is just a wealth of things we can do. A wealth full of, just full of things that we need to all take note of. How many of you know if those, uh, if those runners, you see, I saw that one girl last night. Man, she could run. Almost looks like this bionic woman running there. You, you ever see those ladies run? Men? That's a six million dollar man. I mean, they just run so fast. It's, but, uh, how good do you think they do if they were while they was running while they were running they were looking over their shoulder? You think they they do you think they do good? No, they have some trouble, wouldn't they? So we need to we need to forget what's behind. Remember it in that we need to learn from it, but but otherwise forget it. Let's move on. Keep keep focused on the future. Have your goals, and if we'll do that, things will turn out all right. Here's something else. Go to Acts, the 20th chapter. Acts, the 20th chapter. And verse, now this is in the New King James Version. Acts 20, 22. What else did Paul do to run his race successfully? Acts 20, verse 22. New King James Version. He said, and see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. So he was following the will of God for his life. He was following the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had told him, the Holy Spirit had told him to go to Jerusalem. And it's interesting, he said, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Well, we must remember that this race that we run for the Lord is a race of faith. Paul didn't know all the details. He didn't know all of what was going to happen to him. As we'll see in a moment, he knew some of the things, but he didn't know all of the things. I think a lot of times we get hindered because we want to know all the details. How many of you, if you're like me, when the Lord gives you something to do, you want to know every last detail? You want to know every last detail. But God doesn't give you all the details. He'll, very often he'll give you a general plan, a goal. But he doesn't give you all the details because you see it's a race of faith. It's a race of faith. The just shall live by faith. It, we walk by faith and not by sight, you see. And so if you want to run this race successfully, you need to realize it's a race of faith. Here, I'll tell you something else that will help you. If in your daily life... 
It doesn't take any faith to do what you're doing. I'll guarantee you this. You've gotten off the course God has for you somewhere along the way. If You see, because the Lord, to live by faith, it'll stretch you. And if you're not being stretched a little bit, if you're not being, see, God will pull you out of your comfort zone. If, if in your daily, you know what I mean, your daily life, your daily general life, general life if, if there's not some a pulling out of the comfort zone, some, some stretching of your, of your faith, then you're, I'll, I'll conclude that you're not right where God wants you to be. Did you hear me? And then he says in verse... 23, he says, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Well, how many of you would agree that'll cheer you up right quick, won't it? <laughs> now, there's a whole lot of people that would quit the race right there. I'd even be considering quitting right there. I've got to be honest with you. But... Do we want what God wants? And I believe I would conclude that God would want me. He told me to go, so I'll go. If chains and tribulations await, then if that's the will of God for me, then that's, that's what we'll do. Amen? You okay? So Paul went right on. And then he said in verse 24, none of these things move me. See, if you're going to successfully run this race for God, there's going to be a lot of things come your way that try to move you off of that course. Did you hear me? Listen carefully now. There's going to be a lot of things that come along to try to pull you off of that course. But he says, none of these things move me. See, when we get our goals from God, we've got to just set our, set our, set our nose to the grindstone, so to speak, and we just need to just... Just have the attitude, none of these things are going to move me. Nothing's going to move me from what God has told me to do. None of these things move me. He had a solid determination. He was not a quitter. I'm not going to quit, dear friends. No matter what happens, I'm not going to quit. I've passed up a lot of good opportunities to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep walking with the Lord. I'm going to keep doing what He told me to do. Amen. He's blessed me on every side. I'm not going to quit. And I've had some opportunities. I'm not going to quit. We must not quit. And something else, He said, none of these things move me. We must... I don't know. I just feel impressed to the Spirit of God. that you, There's some people in here. All of us need to hear this next part. But there's some people in here that really need to hear what I'm about to say right now. Paul was not distracted by well-meaning people who tried to talk him out of his race. If you read this and you read the whole of it, you'll see that the Holy Spirit... Now listen, listen to me now. The Holy Spirit told Paul to go to Jerusalem. But there were some well-meaning people that came along and tried to talk Paul out of it. And he said, none of these things move me. And here's what I feel just arrested by the Spirit of God. There's a, some people in here need to hear this. You need to be sure that God has told you what to do. And you're doing what you're doing because God told you to do it. 
Perhaps there's something that lay out in front of you or how do, how do, how, just Lord, now how just do I say this? Let's put it this way. If, if somebody is working overtime, and I've learned this from years of experience as well. If, if somebody or a group of people are working overtime, even, even as well-meaning as they may be, to try to not get you to do what you feel God has told you to do, you need to be real watchful. And don't make a decision based on what people are telling you. Make a decision based on what you know the Spirit of God has told you. Now, did you hear me? Did you get that? Be sure you're on the racetrack God wants you on. Be sure you're running that race. But if you have the Lord, you know, direct you, well, go run over this way. Be sure it's the Lord telling you to run over that way. And if you get people that, that as well-meaning as they may be, come and try to talk you out of it, convince you out of it, you need to be real watchful. And be like Paul, don't let those things move you. Hear me? Just do what the Spirit of God told you to do. But now I feel just as strongly about this. Perhaps you're running along right there where God has you going. You're running along there right there where God has you going. And now you have a group of people, as well-meaning as they may be, try to talk you into something. Try to encourage you, hey, come on, run over this way. But the Spirit of God didn't tell me to run over that way. He told me to, did you, did you know God will have you run in place sometimes just for a long time? I said, God will have you run in place. That's one of the most frustrating things. Now, now I've found God never makes you run around in circles. We see the Israelites running around in circles when they were disobedient to God. Did you hear me? But now I have learned this about the Lord. Sometimes the Lord will just have you run in place for a long time. For a long time. And then, hey, come on over here. Come on over here. Come on over here. Well, if the Lord didn't tell you to run over there, even though you have well-meaning people, that, 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 but they're trying to convince you to run, God may just have you running in place. Come on over here. Come on over here. If the Lord didn't tell you to come on over there, as much as they're encouraging you to do it, you better obey the Spirit of God. Just keep running and play. Well, it's boring running and play. Yeah, but if God wants you to run and play, obey God. Did you hear me? Be watchful about people that say, come on in the water. Oh, I remember that that fellow on Jaws, they... (laughs) Well, I saw that years later after it was edited, but... Some things in there that we probably shouldn't, well, we shouldn't be watching. But nonetheless, be watchful. Of it. Come on in the water. Well, you don't want in that water if the Lord didn't tell you to go in that water. There could be a shark in that water. Is that right? You getting what the Spirit of God's saying? Or did that go right over your head? Did you get it? All right. None of these things move me. And then he said that I may finish my race with what? With joy. You need to keep joy about you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? 
So keep that joy about you. Keep that joy about you. Stay in the word of God. Keep that joy about you. He finished his race, but he did it with joy. You will not be able to finish successfully apart from the joy of the Lord. Okay? Now let's go to Hebrews 12 before my time runs out here. Hebrews 12. Are you getting anything out of this today? Is this helping you at all? Just a few more things here before we close. This as quickly as we can go. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Well, we talked about that a moment ago. There's much we could say about that. There's a lot of people watching us as we run this race. Let us, now watch this, lay aside every weight and the sin which easily ensnares us or besets us or gets us off course. And, 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 and listen to this. This will help you. Let us lay, notice let us. Didn't say the Lord would do it for us. Let us lay aside Every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Now, I think we'd all understand the sin part if there's something that's sinful. But here's what I want to camp on is the weights. Did you know, listen to me, Christians, listen to me. Did you know that there's things, I mean, we all understand we need to lay the sin aside. But did you understand this, that there's some things that the Bible calls weights that are not sin? But yet they can get in your life and weight you down. Did you hear me? You know when when athletes train a lot of times they'll wear weights, won't they? And then they'll lay those aside when they get into the event. Is that right? I know in baseball, don't you ever see them warming up with that, that, what do they call that, a bat ring? What do they call it? Donut. You see what I know. Donut. And then, and that's, that makes the bat heavier, and then when they go up in the batter's box, to, you know, then, then, then they take that off. They lay it aside. Well, that's what Paul's talking about here. And there's things in our lives as Christians that aren't necessarily sin, but they're weighting us down. And he says, lay those aside. One of the biggest things I've seen over the years that can weight us down is improper relationships. Did you know that, that we can have relationships with people that, 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 they're, that they, they, they may be good, but they're not necessarily God? And there's no sin necessarily involved, but yet there's things in that person's life that just cause us to be weighted down and to hinder us. And one of the hardest things to do is to lay a relationship aside. You know what I'm talking about? You know, a friend, some kind of a friendship or whatnot? And then, much we could say, said, run with endurance. Well, we need to endure. You know what endurance is. Would you agree with me that those, those Olympic athletes, they, most all of them, they have endurance, don't they? And then, look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, there again, we need to look unto Him, don't we? If you're going to finish this race for the Lord successfully, you're going to have to keep your eyes on Jesus. You're going to have to keep your eyes on Him. Now go to 2 Timothy 4, and we'll close here in 2 Timothy 4. Oh, you get your eyes off Jesus, then things become mundane, then things become hard. Keep your eyes on Him. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. Paul says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I have what? I have finished the race. I have what? 
kept the faith. Paul is writing just before he's put to death for the cause of Christ. What do we learn here? Again, we see he's a fighter. He's not a quitter. He's determined. He he had ambition. He kept the faith. He stayed on course. He stayed true to what the Lord told him to do. It's interesting. He lived his life out because in one verse of scripture, he refers to himself as the aged. Again, he was not a quitter. You need to realize that Paul went through some really tough times, but he never quit. He shook off some things, didn't he? Can you name one thing he ever shook off? Shook a snake off that bit him? Did he ever get beat up and left for dead? Did he get back up and shake the dust off and go right on? Did he ever go in somewhere where they just all rejected him and he shook the dust off of his feet and he went right on, didn't he? Yeah. You know, I'm proud of those on the Olympics where, have you ever seen them fall like they'll fall off the balance beam? And I don't know about you, but I just think, well, I fell off. I'm just going to (laughs) quit. But, you know, I admire them when they jump back up there and they finish the routine anyway. There's something we need to learn from those athletes that even though maybe in our Christian race, maybe we've sinned or maybe we've messed up or or whatever it is. Well, repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Get back in the race and, and keep on going. Amen. Because you must remember that many do not successfully finish their race for God. If you looked at verse 10 here, the Bible says, Demas, Paul said, Demas forsook me, having loved this present world. Did you know there's things in this world that will pull at your flesh? And if you don't keep it under control, you'll get off the course God has for you. Uh, Let me ask you this. Did the Israelites, that first group, did they ever make it into the promised land? No. No, they didn't finish their race, did they? You know why? The Bible says they were idolaters. They put things ahead of God. They had a problem with their diet. They had a problem in the area of sexual misconduct. And you know something else? They were grumblers and complainers. Did you know grumblers and complainers, you will not successfully finish your course for the Lord. Did you know that? Grumblers and complainers don't, don't, don't finish successfully. Solomon, in my notes here, Solomon, remember King Solomon, he had some bad relationships. We talked about that a moment ago. It hindered him. He didn't finish successfully. I think about uh, Gehazi in the Old Testament. I think about Judas, Ananias, and Sapphira. They didn't finish their courses successfully. Do you know what cost those people? It wasn't that. It wasn't that. What was it? It was what? It was the love of it. It was the love of it. Right? Cost Gehazi, that was Elisha's servant. Judas put him in hell, didn't it? Ananias and Sapphira. People ask me, did they make heaven or didn't they? They were members of the church. And they were... To my knowledge, my opinion, for you know opinions are like noses, everybody has one. I think they made it. I just think they got toasted at the judgment seat of Christ. I believe they made heaven. I, it's my personal thinking. The point, though, is, is that money, the love of it, can distract you from what God has for you. How many of you know it kept the rich young ruler forever starting the race for Jesus? He didn't even get on the racetrack, right? Why? Because he couldn't leave the material stuff. Is that right? 
How many of you know that, that not staying, not staying inside your, what God's told you to do can get you in trouble? Remember King Uzziah? He was a king, but he wanted to be a priest. Remember that? Let's put it in Olympic terms. Uh, what, what do you think would happen if, what's that good man that swims? He's real good. What do you think would happen if Phelps wanted to do the uh, floor exercise? Well, he'd probably do better than me, but you know, you sit there and you laugh at that, and you know, this is funny, isn't it? Or how many of you think one of those, uh, one of those, uh, 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 Gabby Douglas, you think she could take Michael Phelps out in the pool if, you know, and, and beat him swimming? But what if Gabby wanted to be a swimmer? And what if Michael wanted to be a gymnast? No, he needs to stay in the pool and she needs to stay in the gym. Is that right? But you know, I see this with Christians all the time. God's told them to do something. They don't want to do what God told them to do. They want to go do something else. So just find out what God wants you to do. And if, if you're a swimmer, be a swimmer. If you're, you, you understand. And then there's hardship. How many of you know Mark started out on the path God had for him, but it got too hard and he went back, didn't he? But you know what? One good thing about Mark is in the process of time he repented and he got back in the race and he finished it. Isn't it good to know that when we mess up, we can repent and get back in the race and finish it? Amen? Remember Abraham, he he was doing what God told him to do. He got off, and the Bible says he got off by easy stages. You know, it's so easy if you're not paying attention to get off a little here, a little here, a little here. Next thing you know, you're out of what God wants you to do. But you know, there's good news if you get out of what God wants you to do. Remember Abraham, he repented, and he went back to the place where he missed it, and and he went right on with the Lord, didn't he? God's good, isn't he? Praise God. Now we'll finish in verse 8. Look at this. Finally, 2 Timothy 4, 8. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only uh, to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. So what are these crowns that the Christian will get one day at the judgment seat of Christ? Real quickly, there's the crown of righteousness for those who are watchful and look for his appearing. There's the crown of life. For those who endure persecution, hardness, and even death. There's the victor's crown for those who resist temptation and keep their flesh under control. There's the crown of glory for the faithful minister. There's a minister's crown. And then I believe the most beautiful crown of all is called the crown of rejoicing. And that's for the soul winner. Five crowns that the Lord will be handing out at the ceremony day in heaven of the judgment seat of Christ. I tell you what, Christians can get every single one. The only one that all Christians may not be able to get in on is the minister's crown. And that's a special one that God has set aside for ministers who have faithfully served him and have been been good and kind to the people that God's entrusted to him. So I want to encourage you today to run this race that God has given you. Find out what it is and run it and stay on it. Stay on course and run it all the way to the finish line. The Bible warns us not to lose those things which we've worked for. Don't do things that are going to cause deductions. But if you do things in your life that cause God to deduct, repent, get back on course and run. And don't stop running and don't stop running and don't stop running and keep running for him. And then one day, whether it's at the rapture of the church or when we die physically and go on at that judgment seat of Christ, I look forward to these five crowns 
The Bible says there'll be some Christians that they'll suffer loss. Their works will be burned. They'll get to go into heaven all right, like I think Ananias and Sapphira. Their works were burned, but they themselves got to go in, I believe. And many Christians are going to have their works burned at the ceremony day, but they'll get to go into heaven. But I tell you what, I don't want to be among that crew. I want to be among the crew that gets the rewards. Amen. And gets these crowns and then gets to lay them at Jesus' feet and worship Him. I don't want to be empty-handed in that day when it comes to worshiping Jesus. I want to have crowns to lay at His feet and worship Him. So let's run this race faithfully now. Remember, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And don't ever forget this. We're not competing against each other. But we're on the same team. And that's what the Lord wanted me to close with and say it again. We're not competing against each other, but we're all on this same team. It's known as the Christian team. We have heavenly citizenship, but we're down here. We're, we're like the, the Americans are over in England where we have heavenly citizenship. We're down here on this earth. We're running this race. Let's run it. Let's be faithful. And then one day the Lord will say, well done, good and faithful servant. I hope you got something out of this today. Stand with me if you would. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just pray that as we've taught this message today, that the people heard your word and that they heard with ears anointed by your spirit to catch just exactly what it is the spirit of God's saying. And that as a result of listening to this message today and, 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 and pondering it and putting it into practice, that all of us will be able to one day hear those words that we look forward to hearing. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy and reward of the Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you've never repented of your sins and asked Him into your heart, there'll be some people standing up here in the front. When I dismiss this service in just moments from now, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've never repented of your sins and asked Him into your life, Walk forward here and get with one of these nice people and say, hey, I want to know Jesus. Boy, I tell you what, they'll pray with you. He'll come into your life. He'll change your life. He'll make it new. You'll miss hell, make heaven one day, but I tell you what, you'll enter that race that God has for you, and you'll be so glad you did. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know the Lord, to get to know Him before you leave today. Amen. Now, I tell you what, I want to thank you for coming. You're a good group of people. Greet three or four people. Love on them just a moment, and you're dismissed. God bless you.